Hello, this is Jane Stavum, Superintendent of the Sioux Falls School District, and this is our podcast. Join us for an audible look inside the Sioux Falls School District, where we'll put a spotlight on the people, places, and practices of our district. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm Jane Stavum, the proud superintendent of the Sioux Falls School District, and today might be um, the best podcast yet <laughs> because today I have a student with me, Michael Grismer, who is soon to be a former Roosevelt High School and a recent high school graduate. So, Michael, congratulations. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> and I uh, first came to know about Michael when I went to the honors uh, celebration at Roosevelt this spring, which is a time when our high schools give out academic uh, awards and talk about all of your accomplishments. And Michael kind of kept walking by and, you know, another award for Michael. And I thought, okay, well, this this student really has some exceptional um, knowledge and learning seems to be important to you. And there was an award. Remind me what it was that like you're the first person to get a certain kind of award. What is that? So I completed the AP Capstone program. And in September, I received a notification that um, my research um, received a perfect score. So, and what was it on? It was, I actually did it through the butterfly house. Okay. Um, so, I did mine kind of studying butterflies and their attraction to CO2. And um, I just completed that research paper over that year. And you took some some crazy number of AP classes. Was it 14 that you I took, took? How many um, did you take? Including, you know, senior mm-hmm. year, I took 13. 13, okay. So that was a first and a perfect score. And, of course, everybody thinks about butterflies and CO2. <laughs> How did you get there? Well, I think it initially started based on my connections with the Butterfly House. So I've been a volunteer there for around, like, five years. So I knew the... Um, staff there really mm-hmm. well and then when it came into my research project I was just kind of trying to figure out you know what pathway I wanted to go down and a lot of students do surveys um, you know survey a group that mm-hmm. they want to interview um, but I wanted to do something a little bit different more of the experiment route and I had a passion for biology so um, initially I was going to do something with plants but then you know, my connection to the Butterfly House, um, I went down that route. Yeah, great fit. And so you probably got some volunteer hours there that you got to count. and Yeah, for sure. Of, um, I just opportunity. enjoyed that, that mm-hmm. opportunity at the Butterfly House, for sure. So let's go back up. Mm-hmm. Have you been a lifelong Sioux Falls student? Yes, Where I did have. you go to elementary and middle school? So in kindergarten, I went to JFK Elementary, and then... Um, my third grade year, I went to Challenge Center, mm-hmm. um, and then went to Memorial, and then now I'm here at Roosevelt. Okay, so. and so I'm I'm guessing that learning maybe has come easily for you. Is that true or not true? I think my love for learning kind of stemmed from like how is grow how I grew up. Um, my parents kind of fostered a love mm-hmm. for learning. Um, we would just go to the library all the time and just pick up books and movies and. I just, we would go to bed each night and read a book. So learning has always been something I've been passionate with. But then when I went to the Challenge Center, um, that really fostered my love for learning. Um, I just was surrounded myself with teachers Mm -hmm. and students that had that same passion. And I think that kind of sparked my interest into just um, loving 
academics. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a blend that has to happen that sounds like you had kind of loud and clear, which is curiosity, mm -hmm. coupled then with what feeds that curiosity. And libraries are a wonderful place to do that. Mm -hmm. But sure. that's why you want to go see the butterflies, and that's why we want to go learn. Why do you think some kids retain that curiosity factor all through high school where other kids maybe lose it along the way? I think probably what it stems from is not having those interests starting at a young age. Mm -hmm. um, I think um, getting, there's, everybody has different skill sets and different interests that they want. And maybe um, in the early years that they don't have those access to that opportunity, that kind of puts them at a disadvantage going to further years and doesn't have that um, passion towards, you know, learning and mm -hmm. things like that. Access is a big point and it's very wise of you as a high school student to think about that because we talk about that in education. Access to great books, access to um, somebody who can talk with you in vocabulary development and um, quality preschool programs. Maybe if, if a parent is working that they're in a good place that, that learns as well as cares for kids. So all of that, that's really important. And then we see kind of the fruits of that over time. Are there other things that you think get in the way of students' ability to learn? I think it definitely has an influence on you know where you grew up, the factors that contribute to that. Um, it even starts as simple as you know going home hungry, mm -hmm. um, programs such as that. But I think after school programs and that having access to a tutor, I think is one of the most fundamental things that can transform someone's mm -hmm. um, education. I think um, programs starting at a young age where there's students that don't have access to a, a, a strong parental figure at home. Um, having a teacher is great, but you know they're you know pretty limited in their close connection with the student. So I think one-on-one -on -one tutoring mm -hmm. um, can start at a young age is probably one of the most important things I think um, can help uh, foster learning. So yeah. we're on the right track with trying to build out our after-school programs. For sure. Okay, yeah. good. We'll see. Yes. It's good to have that affirmation from a student because yes. that's important. And and part of our, our program development is around enrichment opportunities. So you get homework help, you get a snack, but then you also might get to play in the chess club or you get to explore mm -hmm. dance or, or, you know, some of the things that kids love to do. And mm -hmm. sometimes there's time during the school day and then there's sometimes where you want to pursue it beyond that. Sure. What do you like to do when you're not studying? Um, I think I have, like, definitely some of my passions are um, aviation. That's one oh. of the things I want to go into in college. Um, but another is plant care. Mm -hmm. I just love taking care of like, you know, gardening, indoor plants, um, You're reminding me I'm trying to get my garden put. I haven't <laughs> yeah. done it yet. My tomato to plants are staring at me. <laughs> <laughs> so aviation, did you take anything out at the Career Academy? Um, unfortunately, I tried to take a, a CT course, but it didn't fit well in my schedule. Yeah. So with those AP courses, that kind of takes up mm -hmm. a lot, doesn't sure. it? Well, we just have some brand new flight simulators out there. Yes, so I kids coming that. after you will get to. And I uh, have taken flying lessons along the way, too, but I'm not finished <laughs> and I need to do that as well. 
So there's a couple of things that I want to know from a student your age. Mm -hmm. One of the things is after COVID and even kind of during COVID, you saw the picture change about the mindset of high schoolers toward college or towards some type of post-secondary program. Some of that I think came from just the uncertainty. Some of it came from kids who were just maybe starting out in college and then things kind of shut down. So your whole experience changed. You see enrollment that's dipped a little bit in higher ed. And you know it's hard for us as adults to envision what did life feel like if you were a kid when COVID kind of hit. And what does that do to your future picture of, of does it matter? Does it matter if you go to college? Is it, yeah. should you spend the money? Right. How do you think kids are thinking and feeling about that now? Well, I would definitely say that like my senior year kind of felt like the first real mm -hmm. um, year of high school for me. Um, sophomore year and junior year coming off was extremely isolating. And that's coming from someone who had some already established groups. So, you know, for students that didn't have those groups, yeah. I can't even believe how isolating that was. Um, so I, I think I think that, that COVID pandemic is just, it's gonna be one of the symptoms that we can't get rid of. Um, but I think definitely, you know, involvement in school is probably mm -hmm. one of the things that can gonna shape, you know, a passion for, um, you know, wanting mm -hmm. to get involved. In so is college like worth it? I think it depends on what your career mm -hmm. is. For me, I kind of wrestled with, you know, should I go to college? College was definitely what I wanted to do. But, you know, with, you know, increasing the expenses and yeah. things like that, um, I definitely wrestled with, you know, what is the best pathway. But um, I think the most important thing is probably just creating those opportunities in high school, um, finding those, having a more career-oriented experience in high school. Mm -hmm. Because we would compete, um, we went to Louisville for nationals and debate, and there was actually high schools that were specifically designed for certain career-oriented um, um careers that they want to go mm -hmm. into so there's a whole school for business a whole school for people that wanted to go into vet medicine um, so just I think those career oriented mm -hmm. can be super um, influential yeah. and definitely CTE can provide that for them but I think there is a little bit of barrier knowing that you can't take you know your whole Everything. course mm -hmm. through CTE no we've talked about that you know the accessibility piece is real and it's a great opportunity and program but if you have to travel or you have a tight schedule because of some other choices that you make with activities, um, you know, it, it, can be a, it can be a difficult thing to get worked in. And so mm -hmm. how do we make sure things are available back at your own high school? Maybe not the full thing, but an introductory piece. Mm -hmm. What about the money part of it? What, what, do, what do kids think about in terms of, you know, looking at that financial picture? Is it worth having some level of debt? Is it you know, a, a payoff that still seems relevant? What do you think? Um, I mean, for me, um, cost was probably the most important thing just mm -hmm. because I would be getting an education as well as flight costs. Um, so Which for me- not cheap. Yeah, it's not cheap at all. So cost was definitely the thing that mm -hmm. um, drove me to where I chose. Um, but I think it depends on, I think we need to better prepare students for those real life scenarios, mm -hmm. kind of, I know there's resources um, through counseling to talk about FAFSA scholarships, and scholarships. Mm -hmm. but I think if there was a way to implement that where every student was getting that standardized uh, understanding of college mm -hmm. and 
like it, I come from a place where my sister already went through the college process and I had understanding about financial aid, but there's a lot of students who mm -hmm. don't have that access. So some way to increase access where it's not more of just a meeting people can yeah. go to, but everyone is going to go through yeah. before they graduate. Yeah, we started something this year and I hope it takes off even a little more next year, kind of an all parent event at Washington where we had some sure. more supports for language and different things. Mm -hmm. But it's good to hear that from you because that's it's a daunting task yeah. to think about how you fund college. And there <clears throat> definitely is a barrier with students who maybe English is not their mm -hmm. first language and parents are maybe less connected with their school's information. And right. that's even a, a larger issue that mm -hmm. definitely can be addressed is there are parents that might not have as much role in their students' yeah. lives. So I think that's really important. So I'm assuming with your academic achievements, you probably could have gone just about anywhere you wanted to go. And so you said cost was a factor. 100%. What else helped you make make the, the choice? Um, I would say just the, the opportunities that the college provided, um, the resources that mm -hmm. they had specifically with aviation. Um, so it was that career path that kind of yeah. took you where you're I going to go? My experience was a little different because aviation is a pretty specific. Yeah. Um, there's not many colleges that provide that. Um, it's kind of nice. It narrows it down. Yeah, right. Too. It <laughs> makes it a little easier. I know a lot of kids really struggle with that. But um, it was a little difficult mm -hmm. because my, you know, choices were a little bit more narrow. Yeah. So I had to kind of think about what's the best way I can get you know, scholarship money, financial aid, mm -hmm. and things like that. What was the hardest class you took? Um, I would probably say biology, AP bio. Mm -hmm. um, biology was a pretty difficult subject, but I also took um, art, um, and art was pretty difficult for me. Oh, um, that's interesting. I took a cha that was actually pretty challenging for me just because I took the class knowing that art is not something that I necessarily excel at, but, um, it was a class that I really enjoyed just because it challenged in something that I, I'm usually stretched in. you a little. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause there's other classes that I would a little bit more passionate mm -hmm. about, but that was definitely really challenging. So were you worried about that affecting your GPA? Cause sometimes kids won't take a class, even if they're interested in it, if they think that it's going to ding that GPA at all. I mean, for me, I guess the classes that I took and the, the opportunities that I took were more of just to get that understanding in high school, just because knowing that the career that I'm going into mm -hmm. is not as oriented to those liberal Probably arts academics. subjects mm -hmm. of, you know, the d d diversified field. So yeah. I guess high school for me was just trying to get all those opportunities, all those interests mm -hmm. and kind of just see where I want to go. So. How do you think we motivate high school students who aren't motivated to explore classes of interest or who may have a hard time just getting up and showing up in the morning. What what does motivate high schoolers now? Um, I think knowing that their, their future has opportunity um, and that kind of starts with career resources. Mm -hmm. um, I think there may be students that don't feel like they have a certain pathway to um, college or a career and I mean, I think that's been addressed, but I think that is something that can always be mm -hmm. improved. Um, just opening up a plethora of just programs and connections through speakers and schools where they might see a speaker that is in a field and they might get inspired to go and mm -hmm. towards that career. But um, 
again, I would probably go back to the point with tutoring. I honestly believe that like one-on-one -on -one tutoring, um, like Saturday school, school is mm -hmm. just so important because it can get people caught up mm -hmm. and also gives you someone that you can have a mentor with. We think about it a lot because when I see a student like you, and this is what I thought of the day that I saw you getting some of your awards is, how can we be sitting in one high school and yeah, um, exactly. you know, education right now is kind of in the crosshairs of political um, shots because it's you know schools are failing. Mm -hmm. Well, when I look at you, I don't see a failure. And yeah. I think if you had classes available to you, you had opportunities available to you that you took, and you got help if you had a tutor, mm -hmm. and you had friends with you, why is it in that same high school we can have such a range of experiences? And what do we do to keep you know, cultivating, fostering those kids who might not have some of the supports they need, but yet what defines failure of an institution and failure because of some things that are outside of our ability to control with, with some students? And how do we shore up as much as possible? Mm -hmm. But um, where's the limit for schools to intervene? Yeah, I th that's like the ultimate question. It is. It's like, <laughs> because you take you take all the the backgrounds from that are out of the control of teachers and staff members, mm -hmm. and um, trying to you know get them all to an even even playing field. Um, but yeah, I think just op opening opportunities and activities, even it doesn't have to be the most um, elite or the most selective opportunities. Um, is anything really to important. connect kids. Anything to connect mm -hmm. kids, and I think. Um, if we can create a schedule or create um, a, a classes that students um, are passionate about, um, I think that starts with creating classes maybe that are more specific or more career oriented, not mm -hmm. through CTE, but through their uh, through like a standard education, right. um, such as like criminology or sociology or just all these different fields. Mm -hmm. That can be really good because then that can branch into other. Um, opportunities at such as at CTE. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to get to a couple of other topics sure. because um, I am very curious for someone like me who might have been in high school when there weren't cell phones, not to date myself, <laughs> but if I wanted to write a paper or a research project, I had to go to the library mm -hmm. and see um, what the most recent version of the encyclopedia set was <laughs> yeah. and go find that, which is probably hard to even wrap your head around yeah, from, yeah. from somebody in your generation. We've had a lot of, of um, controversy lately about social study standards that were just adopted. Uh -huh. the, uh -huh. the mindset is if we teach kids history well, they'll be great citizens. Okay. And that civics equates to good citizenry, which I don't disagree with. Mm -hmm. But if you think about history, it's a cumulative thing. Mm -hmm. From where you are in high school, from when I was in high school, there's, there's you know, 40 years that have passed, 45 years, if yeah. I'm honest, that have passed <laughs> of really big things that happened in history mm -hmm. that are far more relevant to you than maybe right. what the 50 years preceding my generation exactly. was. And that's different than math or language, it's not the cumulative effect in other uh, subjects in the same way. All right, so you couple that with relevance of right. learning What's the value of memorization? What should we be teaching in a classroom when you can pick up your phone and say, Siri, when did the Peloponnesian Wars exactly. occur? Or now we have 
da da da, you know, chat GPT mm -hmm. and AI capabilities that are coming online. Is there going to be any need for schools? Well, what I think with like the social study standards is anything that is disproportionately challenged and not agreed upon by staff and teachers, I don't think should be implemented. Um, I think when we look at, we should really look at the teachers and the educators that are, are implementing these standards. And I think there's just been a recent amount of um, things that have come up that are disproportionately not um, agreed upon by educators. And we definitely need to look at their voice. Um, but I think the most important thing for social studies standards is preparing the next generation to fight um, new issues. Because again, as you mentioned, even though that kind of history, like US history going back to you know the 1700s is so vital and so important, I think that the biggest issues that we must address is um, social change and social movements so that the next generation knows about ways we can fight um, inequality we're seeing today. Mm -hmm. So focusing on the future and building skills as opposed to a heavy emphasis on what happened in the past. Exactly. And they go together. I mean, I think yeah. we can agree that we have to have some balance of both. But you know, you probably memorize the, the states mm -hmm. and yeah, memorize right. some things for geography and memorize the years. And you refer to the 1700s and you could say, basically, I know these things kind of yeah. happened in this particular time period. Is there going to be a need to memorize anything? I think this idea that like memorization and like specific dates and specific times, right. um, that I don't think has ever been super vital because you look at all the subjects and Thank there's- Thank you. <laughs> I can't remember half of what I did memorize. Yeah. I still have to look it up. Well, those, <laughs> kinds, of, those kinds of skills don't, don't equip our next generation with anything because frankly, a lot of students are gonna not remember that information. Um, but I think what we must do is focus on events um, that have shaped America, mm -hmm. because if we just neglect them, we forget, or try to almost cover up or whitewash those issues um, is really problematic, because what we know is when we neglect the past, the future is not gonna get any better. Mm -hmm. But I, I think addressing those social issues and social movements, even those they are the most difficult things to talk about, um, is the most critical mm -hmm. thing. That's what I think, you know, we should be learning in history is those I, issues. And I think that, you know, when I hear you talk about that and you just see kind of the, the way of society right now, it has shifted from becoming a, a past-focused kind of a mindset to a very present and future-focused mindset. Mm -hmm. And I, I saw that, oh, a number of years ago when a number of students... Um, that I was working with in a particular group, you asked them what they wanted to be when they grow up and they all wanted to start a nonprofit. <laughs> it's like, well, that's great, but we still need a few of you to do some of these other things. But uh -huh. it's that um, different mindset. I mean, I went and sold Tootsie Rolls to raise money for, I think, cancer, maybe muscular dystrophy, mm -hmm. but we didn't have a, a mindset about helping serving in the same way that I think kids do now. Sure. Um, and part of that is that's just more visible. 
it's more accessible. If you wanted to raise money back then, you had to go around door to door. Now I can set up a certain fund online, push it out on social media, and boom, $5,000 later in 10 minutes. Sure. You know, sure. It's, it's a totally different world that way. So I think it's on the adults right now to, to be thinking about what is your mindset? What do you care about? What do um, the, the emerging adults see for their future and how do we equip you mm -hmm. and some things we might still make you do like mm -hmm. you know memorize the states but yeah, right. but um, part of that is because it's good perseverance skills that you learn when you sure, when you memorize sure. or when you know things and sometimes you need to know just enough that you can still go back and look it up and and delve in just like most people have to now mm -hmm. it's just easier to do it I don't have to go to the library necessarily right. Right. So what do you think about artificial intelligence, ChatGPT? <laughs> have you have you tried it out a little? Yeah, I've seen I've definitely seen the effects of ChatGPT. It's like becoming the Is it cheating? What do you um, think? What I would say is that it both can be um, and it also can't be at the same time. It can be both. Um, I think definitely if you're claiming that as your own work, 100%, but I think this premise that we should be avoiding ChatGPT is uh, kind of uh, wrong way to go just because AI isn't going anywhere. Um, AI is going to get only more advanced. Um, so I think we just need to kind of work with it rather mm -hmm. than get rid of it. But definitely it's gone on the, the you know, one of the main thing, topics within yeah. school right now. And it seems like it came fast. I think we've all known, oh, you know, yeah. it's yeah. marching along. And, and, you know, back in the 70s, you had um, Deep Blue that, you know, won the won the chess game for the first yeah, right. time and the, you know took up an entire room and now you have an app on your phone that can probably beat you at a chess game but all of a sudden now it's like here and it's this level of sophistication that I don't know if everybody saw coming yeah and that's probably one of the most the the topics that we have to address in like the future of education mm -hmm. that's probably one of the most forefront issues um, because what I think is AI is pretty scary, I think, to a lot of teachers because it um, can invalidate kind of the authenticity of education mm -hmm. because there's increasingly we see students that are claiming, you know, essays as their own work, which is very problematic because it's maybe demonstrating learning that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. But I think we must, we have to kind of adapt our education systems with the presence of AI. Mm -hmm. So how can we, um, create classrooms that maybe knowing that we don't have to write, you know, certain essays or certain, you know, paragraphs, how can we maybe shift it to discussion-based learning or um, just using other resources and capabilities that humans have mm -hmm. for education? I think of it as kind of the lazy river. You can walk against the current for a while, but eventually right. you better just get in your inner tube and float with it and enjoy the ride. Exactly. I don't know. But... <laughs> Um, it's it is going to stay I think and mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see what the level of sophistication comes because at the same time you have voice recognition and you have um, I saw a guy on a video the other day who could sing in his voice and then when he switched microphones it was the learned voice of the commentator for the event and when he sang her voice came out and you would never know the difference a lot of uh, deep fake things that can yeah that can happen that's deep fakes is uh, definitely a, a Thing that we must address in the future. It's well, you sound really like scary. you've spent some time thinking yeah. about these things, and you said you were just talking about it with a teacher before you yeah. came over. Did you have a debate? 
Well, that's actually through my uh, <laughs> debate coach. Um, so who, who won or was it just a conversation? It was just a conversation. We were just talking about kind of like what the presence of, you know, mm-hmm. AI, because, you know, we thought, you know, how can we actually use this tool um, for, you know, research and things like that, because it can help with right. certain things that can advance our research for sure. Mm-hmm. It speeds things up. Yeah. That's one thing that I have thought about. I've tried it out and I've had it make me a menu and I had it play with a paragraph that, that I just kind of wanted to see what it would sure. spit out. I had it start a slide deck for me and it yeah. saved me some time. For sure. I had yeah. to go back and fix and do my own work, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it built the bones of something that then I could fill in. Yeah. So you took debate. Do you use your mad debate skills with your parents? Do you sometimes put them in the I would. They probably would say, yeah. <laughs> they would, yeah. They would agree, huh? Yeah, debate has been an uh, amazing experience. What other activities have you been involved in? Um, I've done a few other like leadership positions. Mm-hmm. So I did student counselor throughout um, high school. Um, I've also been very involved in Best Buddies. So oh, good for you. Connects, you know, people. Mm-hmm. Um, together that's definitely one of my favorite activities um and then i worked with um some students at the high school to create um, a greenhouse club so if you don't know roosevelt actually has had this built-in greenhouse space for years but it wasn't really being utilized so you know transforming that space was a super fun project that i got to get involved that's in. good to know because i yeah. was just on a visit to another district a couple weeks ago and they had a large greenhouse they had two of them and then in the second one there was plants in the first one the second one they do tilapia farming oh wow that's like, that's crazy i think we could do tilapia <laughs> farming here we have our aquaponics and everything out there hydroponics so sure but good to know that you did that at your home school because we yeah. talked about the value of that space and those mm-hmm. activities and how do we do more of that. So sure. good to know. I'll have to yes. check that out. Yes, for sure. Well, um, exciting to think about you uh, ending up your career with Sioux Falls School District. Mm-hmm. And I'm so proud of the work that you've done. It's really impressive. And we um, just congratulate you on that. If you had to give one piece of advice as you leave as a student to the students coming after you, what would you tell them? I would tell, I would t- probably tell them, as far as in terms of high school, um, definitely start freshman year by getting almost over-involved. Mm. Um, get involved in things that you didn't want to do. Um, when I was freshman year, I was almost kind of peer pressured to get involved in debate. I really didn't want to do it at first. <laughs> um, but what I can tell you is that when you get a, a plethora of different activities, um, then you can kind of pick and choose which one you want. And then as you go on with high school, you can narrow it down to mm-hmm. ones you really like. So yeah, get over involved and then narrow down later and you'll be you'll find what you want in high school. That's pretty good advice. Mm-hmm. A lot of wise thinking from a young man ready to launch into life. So I will look forward to seeing you at graduation. Yes. And thank <laughs> you for spending some time with me, yes, Michael. For sure. Thank you so much.